0: Hey everybody, welcome to ExoSquad Goals, the Exo Squadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. And I'm Chris Tarantino. No Ryan this week, but we've replaced him with The Unknown. Season 2, episode 25, The Call of the Unknown. This episode was written by Mike Edens and the recently departed Len Wine. So again, you know, check out his stuff. He's amazing. Everything you, every comic character from the 90s that you love, he created. So check that shit out, son. But uh we're gonna move through this one with some pace because there's a lot of repeated action in this one. So uh, that, that damn door that damn
1: door will not open.
0: Uh yeah, it, it will not open for anyone. <laughs> it's uh what'd you feel about this one, man? Like they, uh they should've they need to speak friend and and enter. Yeah, right. I was I was thinking that, right? So
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's the Elvish word for arbitrage? <laughs> what (laughs) we have not didn't have complicated financial systems um i have i have complicated feelings about it i have mixed feelings about it and so i i enjoyed the episode as it was on its face i enjoyed it but there's just the element so so last week or (laughs) last week we did the great fish police and if you haven't seen fish police do yourself a favor and avoid watching fish police yeah don't don't watch it listen to the Uh, podcast Don't wash the fish. I was kind of thinking, I think fish police might even like have more sort of richness to the animation than sometimes in exosquad. But exosquad is, is such a superior show. And it was really nice to be back in this this world of this environment. So, so last time now back to exosquad, we, we saw Torres was leading the exoscouts, you know, back to JT and the rest of the squad and
0: they had found an alien door. Yeah, yeah. Bronski got drunk, tumbled down a hill, and they found the door. And they were like, "It's it's not human or neo-sapien. It's got to be alien."
1: It's tough for him to sober up, and it's still an alien door. Um, <laughs> so that so that's where it picks up. And so my 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 hesitance about this episode is whether or not the show itself needs to introduce the idea of aliens. And I get to some degree, it's trying to set up a season three villain, but we're still 15 episodes from the end or yeah, it, some it, amount of episodes in the end. That's not insignificant.
0: It's a funny thing. Cause it's like, you know, this whole idea of this place didn't exist until a couple of episodes where Marduk was like, you know, doing his imaging and all that stuff. So it, it feels very not tacked on. Like you, but like you said, it doesn't really need to be there. We're already pushing through this, you know, big storyline. You could totally throw this in, you know, in some very, you know, late, after the war is over, someone's like doing some surveying and they find it, you know and then aliens show up and all that shit. but yeah like,
1: and, and I appreciate that it begins with Marduk finding this this place and not knowing what it is and having that sit for an episode or two. And I think it's handled interestingly. I think it, I, like I like the tone of this episode. I really like I really remembered it pretty well and it really kind of brought me back to being a third grader. So I, so I enjoyed that kind of stuff about it. It just seems like there's so much in this world there's so much to mine from the world of Exosquad as we've known it that like it's an interesting idea just to
0: inter, just to introduce
1: aliens into it.
0: I like a lot of the stuff that this episode introduces like concepts like racing to get there first to get whatever technology might be there or you know they can't get there because who knows what might be there this is ours this is our territory this is our property. But at the same time, I'm like, okay. Earth is still, like, occupied. <laughs> like
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, like, no, there's a lot of stuff to it. Um, so, like, th- just to run through it. Well, it begin, begins with Torres leading the Exo Scouts into, the, into a cave.
0: The recon base is just ahead in that cave. JT, where is everybody? I want to point out about this scene. Torres is, we basically pick up right, like you said, from the, that last episode, where Taurus has all the kids and they're going to the old recon base. But I love that they throw in this little thing where rabbit's like, are we there yet? And Taurus is basically like, shut the fuck up. Cause rabbit's so fucking annoying. Are we there yet? Can it run? uh We'll be there soon rabbit. Shut up
1: Bronsky. And then it's not, and actually I, <laughs> well, then her, then her, her, her voice softens a little bit. And, uh, she's, she's yeah. like, shut up Bronsky, And then she's like, Oh,
0: sorry, good. Uh, What's yeah, it, she which, catches herself.
1: Which, which I actually thought—I kind of noticed that because I thought it. it um... It, I think you know, coming off Fish Police, I think like the voice acting in the show is like pretty credible. I don't, I don't know that it's like the best ever, and I, that's a strange thing to try to compare. But, um... <laughs> but I think everybody kind of plays the moment in a very credible way in a very good way. You know, like she's kind of out of breath. Like, and and if you think about it, this is a. Actress in a studio, um, probably in a soundproof box, the size of a telephone booth. Uh, if you, if you remember what those are kids. Oh yeah. Um, you know (laughs) what I mean? And like, she's like out of breath. She's, she really softens the performance whereas like John Ritter and fish police was so flat and, uh, you know,
0: uh, no, everyone in that show was, you know, flat as a board. Like, and like you said, uh, I, And I know a lot of people handle like multiple multiple characters in this, but I feel like they give not only do they give emotional beats in the performance, but the writing allows for a lot of those emotional beats to come through. Yeah. After they lose Torres, they give and, you know, some are more effective than others, but they give those moments of like, oh, Sarge is dead, (sighs) you know, like where they can show these characters emoting and not just being killing machines or Marsala crying you know name another cartoon that does that shit probably yeah. some anime something but
1: yeah well it's, i mean it's 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 hard to um keep going over this point but i think that that you're right i think the characters sort of do have a very it is a grown up mature adult drama kind of aspect to them where like oh they're, they're mourning the loss of somebody and they feel it you know very in a very real way which um that idea isn't even in most Cartoons, you know, the idea of loss, the idea of death. Or, so I think, you know, like going back to this episode, like that's why totally. And I think, like, when with all the exo scout stuff, um, like they're interesting ideas, and I think it handles it in a mature way instead of just although I do like the pirate, uh, exo scout (laughs) train, you know what I mean? Or like they are kind of silly, but they have battle axes, uh. <laughs> but you know what i mean it's not it's not it doesn't just like revert into some sort of schlocky kids show it's still exo squad
0: yeah they're you know they're like even um their approach to the door that they had where marsh is like oh takagi fly cover we'll do this that pays off later you know or i mean even with the Exo SO scouts they're still tethered to each other they're still going towards their goal you know it's it it still feels like you said like exo squad it doesn't revert too much into the the kitty like oh a rabbit fell down again or some bullshit you know but and it feels like it feels dangerous you know so they're at this alien door they're trying to blast it open any way they can maggie can't get it open so they're like what the fuck are we gonna do maggie what do you make of this door let me take a look no sign of a lock or control mechanism to open the door completely seamless I'm not even sure this is a door.
1: Just get us inside, Maggie. Whatever it takes.
0: Turns out the Neo Sapiens found uh, Marduk's like scanner dator, dator, data. data, <laughs> <laughs> They found that they're uh, scanner data. But they found the scanner, scanner data. Wow, I can't say that word now. Um, from Marduk about the compounds. So they're like, hmm, that is not part of our Martian defenses.
1: Where were those readings taken? The coordinates are part of the recorded data. We will investigate as soon as the storm passes.
0: So they're going to find it. The storm is breaking, so the Able Squad is going to be exposed. So JT Marsh is like, I got to call home. So he gets Deleon to make like a super encrypted call to fleet. And he's like, we've discovered something extraordinary down here. It appears
1: to be an alien installation. I repeat, an alien installation.
0: But it turns out Algernon was listening in because he invented the code that he and Avery Butler and the fucking jump troops are going to show up and give a hand. We also have this awesome realization seeing Butler standing next to Algernon. That Butler's like four Algernons like stacked together. He's fucking huge.
1: That's where Butler's 10 foot tall, 700 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shot later where, where it's more proportional, but it's just like Algernon looks tiny and but. Butler's like, what? <laughs> How He's like Neo-Sapien size to it person
0: yeah he had his neck has like pecs it's kind <laughs> of amazing <laughs> like that guy sounds Sapien sized to a person if i've seen him <laughs> i'd say about three or four algaes <laughs> but <laughs> so maggie like gets a fusion mine and like blows a hole in the door but it seals up so it's like some sort of like nanite like biomechanical shit going on yes yeah, it's,
1: it's the one the one mine they happen to have they don't have
0: two they just have the one. Yeah, they never do. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> so she blows a hole in the door, and it yeah, it, it cracks it, and then the crack seals up, and they're like, <gasps>
0: "What? The cracks have healed, JT. It, it's like they were never even there. Healed. You make it sound like the door is alive. Yeah, they really sell it hard. Like, there's a lot of talk of uh, what is this thing? How can we get in there? Who made this thing? And then, but basically. The Neosapiens are flying towards that spot. They pick up the explosion so they know exactly where to go. Um, and we get one of the not one of the weirdest turns ever, but uh, the Neosapiens show up. They start fucking shit up. Takagi's fighter gets shot down, turns into a smaller fighter, and then he jumps into <laughs> Marsala's frame. Which I love that we went from like an ejector seat to that. But
1: uh, I-, I wrote down his sensors need some work. Because he's like, I'm picking up Neo-Sapien bogeys, and then instantly they're firing on him. And it's like, the, he, they need to really just extend out a little bit further. like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Or like, you know, open your fucking eyes. Like, if
1: you can see them, then you don't need radar. Like, that's not...
0: Yeah, they were literally thing. like right in front of him.
1: And his, but... his, his, his E-frame, his fighter doubling mechanism did not... <laughs> weirdly did not work. He still gets shot. I'm uh, surprised. Um right? Who knew?
0: They could see through that shit finally. Not the best <laughs> Yeah, worst superpower ever. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> They uh so let me so but JT Marsh like we gotta get some cover, we're getting overwhelmed. So he decides to use his solar flare to burn a hole through the door. Wouldn't it have made more sense to use the solar flare to kill all the enemy like E frames Antiphonus, and all these people?
1: Um, that's a, not a bad idea, not a bad point, but, um, they had to get through that door. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. They didn't seem particularly outnumbered. I, I, I get that the, they've been stuck at the door up at this point for like, I don't know, half the episode. Yeah. Three years. So I was so delighted that they actually opened the door by some mechanism that I was like, you go for
0: it. He called, it, he called it. a solar pulse too, and I thought it was called solar flare. But yeah, me too. I, I feel like they changed that in the Australia episode. Where he's like your solar pulse, and he's like
1: <laughs> because it didn't. It didn't what? glow in a like a you know sun like circle around him. It just came out of his one of his weapons and sort of yeah was more of
0: that kind of action. Um, it's like a bad touch. Yeah. The. Uh... So, and plus Baker Squad's there giving them a hand, so they have tons of manpower.
1: Which, by the way, like, I don't think you see Baker Squad <laughs> until they get inside the door and you're like, and then someone gets killed and you're like, Baker Squad's with them this whole time? Well,
0: let, let's talk about this door for a second too. Like, we were making jokes that it's like the uh, the door from, like, the Minds of Moria, where it's like, speak, friend, and enter. Because it's like, seamless, you know, there's no panel, nothing, like, What'd you think of that design? Like I kind of dug it as being something different, but it kind of got silly after a while with the shooting and they can't get in.
1: It was fine. Like I, I think in a 20 minute episode (laughs) that they spent a lot of time not being able to get inside the door. Um, I think the argument that it's seamless is, is a ridiculous one. Um, (laughs) like lots of things are seamless, but if you can blast through it, you can blast
0: through it. It doesn't matter whether there's seams like, you know, yeah. Um, including our new sponsor, Seamless. Get delivery on your phone. No, we don't have a sponsor. Like that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we have sponsors that pay money. What? We should start wow. something called Seamless. <laughs> pants that you can't alter. <laughs> it's just one cloth. Disposable so, pants. One use only. Disposable. Seamless. Parachute pants. um <laughs> So, yeah, they spent a lot of time on it. The
1: Seamless argument, I didn't quite buy. But, yeah, it was kind of, I don't know, it kind of looked like pewter. <laughs> glass <laughs> right so i think you know i think that there's something interesting about it i think that there's obviously other ways you can kind of deal with it like it's giving off radiation or it's causing our sensors to overload you know and i get the t- i get the idea of it i get the tension of it that they're trying to get into this thing and then they're kind of cornered despite the fact that they're just really not cornered you know they could yeah. they could have fought back they have all these great weapons that they never use um they could have flown away they could have just gone the other you know neo sapiens turn the left if they go right
0: done. Or they could have gone through the like rock that's all around the door.
1: Yeah. So, but (laughs) you know, at the same time, I kind of, I, you know, I take it for what it's worth and I take it at face value. I don't need to to harp harp on the plan that much. Um, You know what I mean? It's not like they were in a cave and they only had one way to go. Um, You know what I mean? There's, they they get yeah. once they get in the door, then it's like then they're kind of stuck it's because it's tough for them to go back but
0: um, yeah exactly they literally could have just flown to space. that's an option
1: I mean we could sit here all day and talk about like yeah how they didn't think this through quite as well, but um no, but there were some, but they couldn't have abandoned it really because they wanted to if there was some technology in there, they didn't want the neo sapiens to get there first, which i get I get that argument, and then they get in there and they're like yeah, I don't know what you're expecting. So I think there was some
0: sort of imperative to be first and they get in there and it's like Metroid. Um, <laughs> it is, it's, it's like some, it's like HR Geiger light. It's like biomechanical. you know, it's this pulsing kind of like, it reminded
1: me of some, uh, levels in, uh, like Zelda, the Ocarina of time, <laughs> one of the great <laughs> games of all time, oh, Bernie Sanders, one of the great games of all time. Um, <laughs> great great game last video game i played because um, <laughs> i'm a grown man <laughs> so yeah it's sort of my words. reminded me of one of those type of like video game levels where like you know if you step on the really bright red you'll get zapped and if you step on the dark red you're fine
0: it's funny in this so they they're flying in this like organic cave and they're like basically in an artery it looks like and bronski just keeps going like this is Getting
1: weird i i'm gl- I'm, gl- I'm glad he said it though I'm glad he commented
0: yeah. on it he was like, I don't know if the show should be going here <laughs> you know yeah it's, a, it's the most meta comment to date is there um, a shark under us <laughs> 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 we I'm seem t- to be jumping th- sharks um it's one of these interesting things where and actually one of the things I didn't think well I guess you're thinking about it he he mentioned how the thing keeps like the cave keeps expanding, but I guess that might be they're flying through what turns out to be like the antenna part of it. But it's just like a, kind of a weird thing. But basically, they're like, I think it's, they it's land supposed like, to be
1: unsettling.
0: Yeah, like you know? it's it's defying what normal physics in the space should be doing. Yeah. But they basically start getting like attacked by, like you said, Metroid fireballs, which everyone points out is are like anti, antibodies attacking foreign like i guess foreign bodies um but it kills it kills someone yeah who and chan i think
1: and and,
0: and and chan a-n-n space c-h-a-n right? I, I literally, I wrote, I wrote like Anshon, because he says something, but I couldn't figure out what the fuck the name was. Um, um,
1: yeah, but who, who I didn't know, by the way, was there. I was I was like, <laughs> it hit a frame, and I was like, whose frame is that, that they just yeah. killed? And I was like, oh, it's one of the, oh yeah, Baker Company too.
0: Yeah, and one. then the leader of Baker Squad is like, oh my God, and it's like, yeah, you, you should expect it, like, we you know how this goes. The leader
1: of Baker Squad was Nick Cage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Oh, I heard Henshaw. Uh-huh. Henshaw. Oh Henshaw, that might be it. Anchan. Henshaw. Anchan. Well, I Anchan Henshaw. This <laughs> is so my cousin's son of the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go fast, man. So yeah, so these fireballs basically vaporize frames. The Neosapiens have the exact same conversation we had like two scenes ago. <laughs> yeah or, they, that Abel Squad had. Yeah,
1: then they get to the door and they're like, we gotta open the door. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't get it. There are no seams. It's like, yep, we, we've been through here. At least they abbreviate it a little bit.
1: I strongly advise against this. The doorways of alien construction. We have no idea what effect an explosion might have. Enough words.
0: Meanwhile, Avery Butler's going to drop down with uh, the jump troops. Check this thing out, but only a few of them. And they're going to taking Algernon with them, which seems like a questionable decision. But
1: Colleen O'Reilly, Ooh. she talks her way onto the mission. Avery Butler's not going to take her, but then she convinces him because he's not going to take her because he doesn't want to uh, have her be in a conflict of interest because she's in love with J.T. Marsh.
0: Sorry, O'Reilly. You're in command of the reserve. Personal motives have no place in an operation like this. Why, sir, I have no idea what you're talking about. J.T. Marsh? I thought with my technical knowledge I could help the professor. All right, Tuber. So Avery Butler has more integrity than the U.S. government. hey Zing. Nailed it. I don't know, like, like what's she going to do
1: that's not, like, that's, like, like, why is O'Reilly just eating that sandwich? Because she loves J.T. Marsh too much to fight. Like, no, she's going to fight harder, I would think.
0: Well, my favorite part about the whole in- encounter is he's like, you know, O'Reilly, you can't go. We don't want a personal conflict of interest out there. And she's like, no, I'll be okay. He's like, you guys are, like, fucking like he calls her out like really blatantly in front. I mean, I, I know it's, you know, in case people forgot cause they were watching fish police, but like, it's, it's kind of like a douche move. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. Yeah.
1: No, it's, 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 I, I, I get the dramatic conflict that he feels that, and, and I like it. I like that. We, we brought it back up. We've sort of reminded the audience about, did they have no relationship <laughs> that, they, that they've seen each other three times and talked about going on a date. Yeah. Um, which, which I, I didn't i didn't mind yeah it's kind of douchey but i didn't mind it but then she's like yeah but i got a bunch of science shit on my frame and he's like cool let's go and then he points to this other guy this other scarecrow and he's just like <laughs> you're in charge and the
0: guy's like well i guess someone's got to stay with the ship in the first episode we saw him in long feather was like a mountain of a man and this one it looks like he's like i don't know on the Atkins or something like he's fucking like.
1: Yeah, he's like he's like the dead guy,
0: zombie and hocus pocus. <laughs> That's what he looks like. He's been recast by Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Hello. I'm alone on the ship. Yeah, jump troops are always intense. So basically, turns out the Neosapiens get inside. Yeah, I think they blow up a propane tank. yeah <laughs> they have some kind of bomb that they use. They drive a Pinto into the uh, door. But uh, it's weird because it's it become it's like this
1: impenetrable door that uh, everyone eventually can penetrate with no no problem.
0: Yeah, I do like uh, his buddy like Exxon Valdez or whatever his name is. Exxon is like, I don't know about this. This seems kind of fucked up. Like he's very hesitant about the whole operation once he actually sees what it is.
1: But then once he gets in there, he's like, look at all these things.
0: (laughs) It's gorgeous. You know, right before it like rips his head off or something like that.
1: I'm surprised by all the lights in here.
0: <laughs> Who brought the fireballs? So basically, we have a firefight between Abel's squad, the Metroid fireballs, and the Neosapiens. Neosapiens, like, peace out. <laughs> Bronski freaks out, starts firing missiles everywhere. A Neosapien, like, heavy <laughs> frame just, like, drops down next to him and sits there, and <laughs> he shoots the thing. It rolls, like, five times, blows a hole in the wall. And that's where Abel's squad goes, and it turns out just as Maggie's frame is about to get metroided. The Metro balls don't work in this part of the uh, building. So that's convenient. Maggie! You okay, Maggie? Yeah. But it might glow in the dark for a while.
1: It, yeah, it like fizzles out. There's no real explanation for it other than they don't work there, I guess. <laughs> and Dale, D- 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 Dale Yon's very affected by this. He's, he thought he almost lost Maggie. So that's kind, kind of a moment. Yeah,
0: she makes a good joke I about guess, it. I guess <laughs> rel-
1: for their relationship. Yeah. Um, even though it's super subtle. The
0: fireballs are like, smoke break and
1: just stop. I wish Butler had been there and been like, daily on, <laughs> you got a thing for Maggie.
0: <laughs> right? That's why you're happy that she's not dead, right? Everybody, it's not Marsala that's like discovering how emotions work. <laughs> it's everybody. After recording all those like letters to dead like jump troops, he's forgot how like humans interact.
1: Do you ever know that like one one person who would just, just say things that they really shouldn't have said at awkward times? Yes, Chris. You know, it, sometimes it's like a, it's a grown-up. Like a, it, it's a, grown up, it's a yeah, parent. Yeah. If you're a kid, if it's, it's like a parent or like – or, or grown-up or sometimes it's like somebody your own age and they're just like – just saying things yeah. out loud that don't need to be said. <laughs> you're like, you guys are mad at each other. You must have crushes <laughs> on each other. Shut up, mom. No, shut up. That's just like every butler's new job. (laughs) He's just like walking around, like telling people the truth about their
0: relationships. He just discovered romantic comedies and he's like, I'm going to be that guy.
1: Ben is withholding and Kelly is codependent.
0: (laughs) Before joining the jump troops, he went to like community college and got a degree as a relationship counselor. (laughs) He he took Psych 101 during the war. (laughs) I think that Marcel is bipolar. It's like, no, he's a he's a neo sapien. He just doesn't have, you know, a large emotional range but <laughs> it's the red <Greg> courses plus. <laughs> um, so basically the jump troops drop down there with Algernon. Butler does seem off his game because O'Reilly has to say the, uh, any heroes in this squad or in this room line, you know, they're there, they get not ambushed. Like Typhon basically calls. He literally calls in every E frame on the planet to the site. And then also calls fates on to tattle. So they're fighting that off rather effectively actually when uh this big metal boner horn kind of punctures the ground and like sends people tumbling all around well that's before actually you know <laughs> before the jump troops get there this giant like flugel horn thing comes up through the ground it kind of ends
1: up looking like the poop emoji
0: <laughs> yeah it's gonna say something sassy yeah and it's just sitting there and they're having the firefight around it uh they use able squad uses nara's like you know, new and improved Kung Fu Grip E frame to like self destruct and blow a hole through the side of the antenna to escape. Just as they get out, Typhonus tags Marsh. And then the antenna like releases this psychic like pulse that makes everyone freak the fuck out and grab their heads. Like, I mean, not just on Mars, like on Earth, the fleet, everywhere.
1: Which is, I believe it's some sort of radio transmission to the alien
0: homeworld. Exactly which uh, prompts Algernon to say the line. We are like
1: ants fighting on an anthill, unaware of the vast world around them. I still don't understand, Professor. What is that thing?
0: Really, Commander? Haven't you ever seen a radio transmitter before? One thing that bothered and me Mars about goes. this scene. <laughs> yeah. They're in E-frames flying around. Everyone gets zapped by this mm-hmm. thing. Cut back. Marsh is, like, out of his frame with his helmet on. We've established that you can walk around on Mars without a breather, necessarily. Um, earlier, at least. But how did he get out of his E-frame? Where did the Neo-Sapiens go? What is the black goo?
1: It's funny, because I thought, I thought the um, idea of the pulse was that it, like, disabled all the electronics. Yeah. And there that's why he had to get out of his E-frame. But then I think nobody else is out of their E-frames. So he's he's kind of like... Like, I was on fire. I took my clothes off. What? <laughs> no one else? No, just me?
0: Yeah. He's Pulling a Ricky um, Bobby. Like,
1: fucking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know why he's at it. Well, Typh- I mean, I guess he gets hit by Typhonus. Sure. But it didn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's enough to, like, have destroyed or damaged the E-frame, but maybe that's the reason. Yeah. I mean. And then, and then this pulse happens, and then it sort of, you see it kind of go through every uh, E-frame and I thought I thought it disabled everything like a giant EMP, but I think it just kinda rattled them a little bit. Yeah, so see, that's, that's my best guess is that he just got wounded.
0: I would kind of go to the Reinhardt Law of Lasers for this one. Like it wasn't a dramatic moment for him to lose his E frame, so does that mean he lost his E frame? Or like how do lasers function normally in the absence of like, you know, narrative drama? <laughs>
1: see. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. If it's not important, then they're normal powered, you know, normal strength. But if yeah. it's if it's important to the narrative, then it is
0: subjected to the
1: Ryan Hardy Law of Lasers. <laughs> yeah, right. Which, um, if somebody can make a Wikipedia entry for that, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, seriously, that's going to be the lasting legacy of this show. It's going to be like someone talked yeah. about Exo Squad for like way too many episodes. Oh yeah, in a Wikipedia entry. And just to
1: refresh your memory, the Ryan law of lasers is that the laser does what is it? It does exactly less damage than it needs to at the moment, or
0: it does. I think the power of the the laser is inversely proportional to it's, I guess the dramatic tension of the moment might be a way to say it. So if it's like a really dramatic moment and someone gets shot, the laser is not going to kill them or destroy the E frame. Like it's, you know, but if it's, like, a really normal moment, everyday war, Baker Squad's going to get blown the fuck away. So, it's like the law of yeah. ninjas. You know, one ninja, the deadliest thing in the galaxy. A hundred ninjas, well, shit. I can kill them, you know. Yeah, we can also have a Chris alone law of ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, what it's
1: what basically that, like, if if it's, like, lasers do, like, minus one damage that they're expected to do. Like if, yeah. if, if a person gets shot with the laser, they're going to survive. But if a machine gets shot with the laser, um,
0: it's destroyed. <laughs> it's except, well, but part part of it makes it things. it's like going back to Zelda, you know, you have your hearts in Zelda. So it's like Hollis, it's Christmas time in Hollis gets shot, like a bunch during the show and hit and all this stuff. But I think he—I don't know if he's coming back in the show in any really regard. Like, I think he ran out of hearts, you know. <laughs> like, Maybe. Or it's like if you get shot more than five times in one sitting, you're done. But but, but then a, there's some
1: does, <laughs> I mean, if he doesn't—if he doesn't come back in some way, like well, Hollis <laughs> never learned to walk again, or like you know, in the last sort of montage of where all the characters are now, yeah. Hollis is like still lying in bed, or like the. He's being pulled off. The plug's being pulled by a very tearful Simbaka.
0: <laughs> but it's actually Barka in like a nurse's uniform. It turns out yeah. he's coming back for his revenge. The ship did not explode. Yeah. My name um, is Buck. I like to party if you saw it on TV. Sure. But,
1: but you know, but so if, it, if he doesn't get paid off, but there's an alien subplot, that'll be, I think, disappointing.
0: It would be really funny if the alien subplot was directly tied into Hollis's fate. Sure. <laughs> if, he's, if they brought Hollis's like hospital bed to the door, it would just open. It's like, he's the chosen one. He's the transmitter.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he's, I
0: think he's gone. I, I'm, I feel like he's probably gone. I think so. Also one of our uh, followers on Twitter recommended that we do in a whole segment in Barka voice. I think I'm going to save that for whenever we find out what the hell happened to Hollis. Cause I think it'd be an appropriate send-off. Yeah, sure. Um, now that I'm dead, I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's me, Hollis Ghost bark. <laughs>
1: I got where to go with that. <laughs> like I don't know what that was.
0: Yeah, try my new root beer, Barkas. Ooh, yeah, solid. Yeah, right. I brought it back. <laughs> like, my Barkas is worth is my bite. <laughs> He's just making bark jokes. What's a kid's least favorite food? (laughs) Barkily. Make like a tree and bark. (laughs) Yeah. Basically that's where the episode ends. (laughs) Like they just make bark jokes for 10 minutes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. So yeah. So there's a lot of Jantana, uh, poops out of the, out of Mars. And, uh, which I guess I guess would not have done that had been laying dormant for perhaps years, centuries, millennia.
0: Hey, yo, excuse me, millennia. Yeah.
1: This antenna's been dormant for millennia.
0: <laughs> woo, woo. <laughs> this antenna don't stop in the winter or the summertime. Make it hot, getting barker with it. Welcome to Mars. Bienvenidos a Mars. <laughs> Party in Phaeton City where the heat is turned off. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the resistance song. Party in the sewers where the heat is off. It's cold in its nose. (laughs) So presumably,
1: uh, dummy J.T. Marsh and his group woke this thing up from its eternal slumber, and it would not have happened had they not decided just to fly away.
0: Yeah, pull a freaking Lenny Kravitz and just fly away. I will say, my last... uh... I do kind of like the idea, though, that it's just like one of those things in a war where some random action by, you know, like by Marduk, the spy. Ignites this whole thing and like changes the galaxy forever. Um, also, Broski has a great line when he's like, man, would you look at this? It's huge, which is one of my favorite out of context. Excess lines of all time. Yeah. Who's your MVP for this episode? Um, I got to Long Longfeather who has
1: three lines the greatest lines of the whole show I hope you can find them and play them
0: Longfeather, looks like you'll be in command until O'Reilly and I return Yes sir, I guess somebody has
1: to stay with the ship Have the evac shuttle ready and the rest of the squad prepared to jump
0: on a moment's notice We'll do, her I don't like the way this one feels We can handle sapiens, but we're jumping feet first into the unknown here that's what they
1: pay us for sir that's what they pay us for sir someone's <laughs> gotta stay with the ship i wrote to for just not giving a shit just at all just just do, being him being him and not caring what his orders are colleen o'reilly wants to go down and fight Longfeather's just happy to chill so i gotta give it to him because everyone else is kind of it's kind
0: of fine i'm gonna give it to the Exxon valdez exeon or whatever Typhon, is neo mega like sidekick because he's just like he he's the indicator for the episode, like, yes, let's go to this thing. Oh, it's beautiful. Let's go. We weren't meant to be here. And it's like, I don't know, it got Kermity at the end. Um, but he he's, he's kind of like how I feel about this plot line. You know, like, oh, this seems cool. What's going on? Why is this happening? Oh okay. So Kermity frock, your life and
1: live on Mars. <laughs>
0: Now, can you do a bark Barker Kermit? Kermit the Frog? No, that's fucked up. I'm Horace, why are you doing this?
1: (laughs) It's a Kermit with an accent. Hey, I'm Kermit the Frog, and I am a tough pirate guy.
0: (laughs) It's like Squiggy. It (laughs) becomes like a wild and crazy guy or something like that. Well. You got anything you want to plug? As always, two, five
1: films for your wedding, wedding or any videography needs and two loopy ladies for your crocheted needs. And I want to, I don't know if it was somebody listening, but, um, they just sold a new, uh, crocheted item. Um, so if you are listening, thank you. And if you're not, um, please buy something from two loopy ladies.com. Winter's coming. Christmas is coming. Uh, do yourself a favor. Hop on Etsy. Go to two loopy ladies. Get yourself
0: something nice. Yeah, that, that person who bought something? Nice and warm, toasty, even.
1: Yo, it's just about being snuggled.
0: <laughs> All I want to do is snuggle, Hollis. I want to have these snugs. <laughs> Snug like a bug in a rug. Get me my snugs. <laughs> we'll drink my- I want to wear uggs <laughs> and have snugs like a little bug. <laughs> I want to be held. goddammit. Alice will drink mezcal and sit by the fire. It'll be toast. <laughs> if you like the podcast, and like other... No, just our podcast. If you like the podcast, please go to <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash goals, Like Max Albrin, who is our newest Patreon. Woo! Yeah. Yay! Yeah, thanks, thanks, Max. And, uh, yeah, you know. We have, uh, generally the theme of what the next special podcast is but we'll
1: i can tell you what it won't be it won't be fish police yeah
0: no 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 fish Police. Parker's nightmares no no fish police no <laughs> you see Simpaka, i have an idea for a show it stars inspector gill he'll be voiced by the late actor john ritter what a fucking piece of shit <laughs> not john ritter the show fish police but John ritter. yeah they'll you be a, the three's company <laughs> that will be the new podcast where we just talk about the late great actors and just talk shit about them yeah don ritter what a piece of shit um, <laughs> oh man nah, he's a good uh, guy
1: but. Uh, well, well we would think we we, we don't know all these revelations coming out now we could have been terrible yeah it's true
0: you never know but um but yeah we'll uh Mr. Albreden will be able to choose the theme of one of these special episodes. And I anxiously await our fate as long as it's not fish police. No more fish police, please. No more fish police. There's no more fish police.
1: Yeah, we can't do another fish police.
0: Because it it doesn't exist.
1: (laughs) Right. We won. If there's something we can find, we'll gladly talk about it for you. Oh, hells yeah. If we can't find it,
0: it will be difficult to talk.
1: I'll still talk about it.
0: Yeah, but we could make, it, make it uh, more bark a voice for three hours. But we could do an advice po- bark could give his advice podcast. Yeah, anything <laughs> you want to recommend?
1: Um, I, don't, I finished Kong Skull Island. Yeah, when it's it gets delightful in the middle. <laughs> I not give it. I will give it away. But uh, it 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 sort of changes completely, and I enjoyed the change.
0: Um, when a certain uh, C Riley shows up yes i'm not
1: i'm not telling you which one but
0: yeah but um it becomes delightful for about 45 minutes So yeah i still maintain kong lawn darting a uh, tree through a huey is just fucking awesome it's one of my favorite things
1: pretty cool yeah i mean it's a it's a fine action movie but um you know really really develops a heart so i appreciated that
0: yeah i mean you get to see what samuel l jackson would be like in like apocalypse now i guess Sure. Yeah. I liked,
1: I like the seventies aspect of it. Uh, um, yeah. what's his face? Taylor Swift's boyfriend, oh, um, old boyfriend, Tom Middleston. English guy. Tom Middleston is doing is, is in a very different movie than John C. Riley, but, um, doing doing his best to act very serious.
0: Yeah. D- doing his and, best, uh, Gaius Baltar. Yes. Brie Larson's
1: great. She's great. Yeah. She's, she's, uh, keep, keep your eye on her kids. She's, <laughs> she's,
0: she's coming up. <laughs> I heard about this guy named Tom Hanks. He's going to be really big. He's going to be big one day. I go, I'd go in on Hanks if it's not too late. Yeah. I mean, Joe versus the volcano was a misstep at the time, but it's really become a cult classic as time has gone on.
1: Uh, I'll say he was in some, a lot of movies, not, not hits,
0: oh, but, yeah. uh,
1: did, did just enough, you know? <laughs> volunteers bachelor
0: party oh yeah bachelor party money pit right that was him money pit yep. yeah let me just throw out uh, been watching silence not all the way through it really enjoyed it so far really good like cool. artsy film. Uh, well shot great sound design which I'm a nerd for but nice yeah. anyway <laughs> our next episode will be a journey in Nexus quad to the heart of Mars because I just looked it up while I was vamping Dude, did you say? Did you say the head of mass? It's The head of mass. You was boosting cars from the denim mall.
1: You was out there boosting car cars from the dead of mall. <laughs> fucking TJ, fucking TJ Maxx, fucking calls.
0: Uh Everyone's favorite movie.
1: I get it was kind of a, it was kind of a crappy mall back in the day, not where the Departed came out. Yeah, it was just kind of like three stores and a parking
0: lot. Era, you was at the Boston Chicken boosting Kaz.
1: Yeah, you have you have like an old Ted Kennedy kind of impersonation. <laughs> not even John, not
0: even John Kennedy. <laughs> like a, knocked off Kennedy. You're like a light Ted Kennedy. You're like a Ted Kennedy cousin. <laughs> um, anyway, on that note, um, we come out with a new episode every Saturday ish. Um, we're getting into the holiday season, so the schedule might get a little slippery. But you know, find us on Twitter. And we'll tell you where can you find us on Twitter at exosquad goals on Twitter and use the hashtag exosquad goals to reach out to us because we look for it and you know, it'd be nice to see it pop up. You can also email us at exosquad goals at gmail.com and we check that and we'll talk, uh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash exosquad goals and we'll message you and talk and all that. You can support us for as little as $2 a month, which is like four lattes these days. It's crazy. Uh, I know, Right. But, again, next Saturday, Heart of Mars. Be there. Ryan Harney will be there, I hope. Our intro and outro music is provided by Eric Calderon. Find this stuff at 331 E-Rock on YouTube. Check it out. It's cool. And on that note, for Exo squad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. But I'm Chris
1: Ferretino. Hi!
0: Oh, okay. um, are there any heroes in this chat room? Um, no. Right? Just... just- just a 18-year-old
1: vampire. <laughs> Female.
0: <Yeah. laughs> ASL vampire. Are chat still around? I don't know. I'm drinking a Lil' Heaven Session IPA Crushable India Pale Ale. How is that monkey paw stuff? Good. Muggy shoulder. Yeah,
1: yeah. It is a Scotch whiskey blend. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's it's drinkable. It does the job. It, if, if your goal, like in drinking like mine
0: is, is to feel funny, um, it will do that.